So welcome to another episode of Screw It, Just Do It with me, Alex, and my very special guest this week, Lord Billamoria. So Lord Billamoria, or Karen, is the founder of Cobra Beer and currently operates as the company's chairman. In addition to his business activity, he's also a politically active crossbench member of the House of Lords. And he currently serves as the Chancellor of the University of Birmingham in the UK and President of the Confederation of British Industry. So he is an incredibly clever and insightful man. I've had the pleasure of interviewing him, I think about three times in the end during lockdown. And I wanted to put one of these out on the podcast. And I think this one is the most valuable in that he talks about his 10 P's to building a successful business. So things like creating a unique product, which creates differentiation from other brands. And this could be an asset and your unique selling point to success. And as he says, and as you'll learn during this, it's always important to focus on these things, on product, on price, on place, promotion, finance. He says, use a PH for that instead of an F. So it fits into its theme, passion, principles, profit and brand. I don't think the uh, the silent pH is going to work with brand. But for a brand to stand out, you always need to deliver a consistent experience. And you can do this by building a mentality of striving for perfection. So this is a great interview. I really enjoy it. For those of you who are entrepreneurs, who are business owners, or you're looking to start a business, then I think this is invaluable. I really do. And he's, he's, he's a really nice guy, gives this time freely, especially given, you know, all of the responsibilities that he has being in the House of Lords, being the Chancellor of the University, etc. So I think you're going to really enjoy this one. Screw it, just do it. Lord Billamoria. Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, the number one ranked entrepreneurship podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and those aspiring to be so. The aim of this show is to showcase the world's most inspiring and interesting people who've decided to screw it, just do it. We offer 20% inspiration and 80% education, giving you the tools and advice to start, grow, and scale a successful business. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, podcast agency owner with a number one podcast and startup advisor to global startup generator and early stage VC, Antler. Each week, I release two episodes, a Q&A every Wednesday with one of the world's most inspiring figures, plus a solo episode every Saturday where I cover the challenges that all of us are facing as entrepreneurs. Without further ado, I'm going to hand over to uh, Karen, Lord Billamoria, and I'll, I'll let you say a few words. Thank you, Alex. Great to see you. Great to be with all of you. And what a time to be celebrating Global Entrepreneurship Week. And I spoke at the launch of the week this morning. I remember going back many years when I spoke at the same event in 2007 when Gordon Brown was prime minister. And what a different time that was. That was boom time. And of course, straight after that, we had the Fed crunch, and then we had the global financial crisis. Then we had the Great Recession, and then we had the Eurozone crisis, and a long period of recovery from what was a huge economic shock around the world. And you look back to just the beginning of this year and how we as an economy were absolutely fine. We were growing, not, not a lot, we were growing. And suddenly this black swan event comes from nowhere. 
and took me back to the time when I started Cobra Beer. And I had the idea for Cobra when I was a student. I, 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 was, uh, I graduated from university in India when I was 19 years old. I was lucky I skipped a couple of years. And I came to the UK, studied, qualified as a chartered accountant with what is today EY, did a law degree at Cambridge. And it was while I was at university here that I came up with the idea for Cobra Beer. Like most business ideas, it was a very simple, big idea. I, I was dissatisfied with the product or service. And I thought I could do it differently and better. I hated fizzy lagers. I loved ale. I couldn't drink ale with food. I loved drinking ale on its own apart. And I thought, well, how can I produce a beer that combines the smoothness of an ale and the refreshment of a lager? And then it's rounded, and easy to drink and balanced. A beer that would have a globally appealing taste and that would accompany all food, curry and Indian food. So that was my idea. Of course, having an idea is one thing. Putting it into action is another thing. And I teamed up with a childhood friend of mine from Hyderabad in India. And our families have known each other for four generations. And we started Cobra Beer from scratch. We started Cobra from scratch in the summer of 1990. The summer of 1990 was in the middle of a terrible recession. That time, each recession is very different. And that recession, interest rates have gone up to 15%. And even at that extortionate rate of base rate, you couldn't borrow. It was difficult to borrow money. So it's tough. It's tough in a recession, but it didn't stop us from starting our business. And I just said that you will see many businesses starting at a time like this, when people will say, but their business is closing down. There are also businesses starting up. And to put your big idea into action, of course, you need luck. And the best definition of luck is one that I've heard in a, the Harvard Business School classroom. Luck is when determination meets opportunity. If you're not determined, you won't even see the opportunity. And we were, had a lucky introduction to the biggest independent brewery in India, Mysore Breweries in Bangalore. And we went there. I went with a whole lot of sample bottles of beer, sat down in the laboratory with the brewmaster, Dr. Karepa, and we created the recipe for Cobra beer just by conveying to him what this taste I had in my mind of an extra smooth, less gassy beer that would accompany all food. And it's a very complex recipe. He said, we'll need it to be complex. We need lots of ingredients. So we've got malted barley, yeast, water, and hops. And that's what a basic German beer has. In fact, Germany, that's all you're allowed to use according to their regulations. But in our case, to get this taste, we had to have a very, very complex recipe. So we have three varieties of hops in addition to malt, malted barley, in addition to the yeast, in addition to the water. We have maize, we have rice, we have wheat, and a very complex way of making it, let alone the ingredients. And that's what gives Cobra its extra smooth taste. And then you have this great product, you have this great idea, you've got to put it into action in terms of selling it. And there's no shortcut to selling. Selling means going door to door, winning those customers against all the odds. And of course, when we started, Kingfisher had already been in the marketplace for over eight years, the biggest Indian beer brand in India. And they were brewing in the UK. They had thousands of restaurants already selling Kingfisher Draft. Carlsberg, one of the biggest beer brands in the world, was in almost every Indian restaurant as well. So you walk into a restaurant, they say, why do we need you? We don't need another Indian beer. We've already got Kingfisher. We don't need another beer. We've already got Carlsberg. And some of them had a, a well-known German beer at that time. And that's when you've got to convert this no 
into a yes. And, uh, and you've got to convert obstacles into opportunities. And we only had the big bottle of Cobra as one single SKU because the brewery said that's all we produce. In India, even now, if you go to India, almost 90% of beer sold in India is in that double size 650ml bottle over here, 660ml or 620ml, double size bottle of beer. And they said, if you survive in a year's time, we don't think you're going to survive because you're up against all the odds. We'll produce small bottles for you. But for now, you have to just sell those big bottles. And of course, the restaurant says, A, don't want your beer. B, our beer was more expensive. And C, there was this double-sized bottle that they were not used to. They were used to draft beer or small bottles. And we converted that obstacle into an opportunity where we said, this is how beer is sold in India. It's the authentic way of selling beer in India. And you can serve it to your customers at a restaurant table in an Indian restaurant where customers share the food and they can share the beer. And, you leave, and the waiters can leave the bottles on the table, which means the waiters are freed up to do other, other work. And it takes the weight off the waiters. And then people, by sharing, as long as they're drinking responsibly, because the beer is smooth and goes well with food, you'll sell more beer. And then the other aspect of it is people at other tables will say, what are they drinking? It looks like a bottle of wine. It's not a bottle of wine. It's a bottle of beer. I'll try one. And it spreads like wildfire around the restaurant. And that's how we built Cobra. And the big bottle took off. We got almost 100, 100%, literally 99% reorders from day one. When you get those reorders, that gives you the confidence uh, to extrapolate this into a global beer brand. Because my mission from the beginning was to brew the finest ever Indian beer and make it a global beer brand. And that is still my mission to this day. And once you get those reorders, that confidence, and you keep going. Now, you, the restaurants were fantastic. I will never, ever forget one of my fundamental lessons that I learned from the restaurateurs. And the Indian restaurants, Kai restaurants, are our base, our foundation. And, I, and they will always be our base. And I'll always be grateful to them. They said in the beginning, you think this beer is so good, leave a couple of bottles. We'll test it with our regular customers. If our regular customers like it, we'll put in an order. And if our wider customers like it, we will reorder. And they put their customers first. So any decision that I've made on my journey, any crucial fundamental decision, I will never do it without checking it with my consumer, with my customer. And then we grew Cobra, the restaurants, eventually into supermarkets and then uh, into the pubs, bars. And from Indian restaurants, we now sold in Lebanese, Thai, Chinese, Turkish, gastropubs, casual dining, pubs, and of course, hotels, and exported to about 40 countries around the world. We brew Cobra here in the UK with my joint venture partners, Molson Coors, one of the largest brewers in the world, the biggest brewery in Britain and Burton upon Trent. And we also brew uh, our Cobra Zero, non-alcoholic beer in Holland, and we brew our King Cobra, double fermented beer, champagne bottle in Belgium. And we have about three breweries in India, along with my joint venture partner, Molson Coors. We brew our Malabar Blonde India Pale Ale IPA at Burtonwood Breweries in the northwest near Warrington. So the range increased over the years. The SKUs increased over the years from big bottles to small bottles to cans to draft. But to this day, our number one selling SKU is that big bottle of Cobra. And it was the first mover. And now, of course, you will see all the major beer brands have the big bottle of beer. And we were the first movers in that category from an unknown brand coming from nowhere. So... You have all the odds stacked against you. You cross that credibility gap in the early years. In the early years when you have zero credibility, nobody knows you, nobody knows your brand, nobody knows your product. Why do people supply you, finance you, buy from you when you have zero credibility? And they do that in those early days. If you have faith and confidence and belief and passion in yourself, in your product, in your brand, and that gives people the faith to trust you to give you a chance. And in the early days, I remember meeting a very successful entrepreneur and he told us some things, which I'll never forget, sitting at his kitchen table in Leeds. And he, one of the things he said, entrepreneurs have one word that sets them apart from other people. 
And that is that they have guts. They have the guts to do it in the first place. A lot of people have business ideas, by the way. I've got an armchair behind there. You know, I call them armchair idea wallers. You know, can you get off that armchair and go and put it into action? Give up whatever other opportunities you have. My friends, when I started Cobra Beer, were working for the Goldman Sachs of this world, driving around in their BMWs. I gave up that opportunity as a qualified chartered accountant, a Cambridge Law graduate, to drive a 295-pound Citroen de Chevaux called Albert battered, bright green. You could see the road if you looked down through the holes in the floor of the car. It needed push starting every day. And eventually, sadly, Albert failed its MOT three times. So you're giving up that opportunity and you're taking that risk. That takes guts. But he said what is even more so is entrepreneurs have the guts to stick with it when others would give up. And I've nearly lost my business three times in my career. And it's horrible. More often than not, it comes from nowhere. And it's getting through that and having that resilience to keep going. And especially look at this year, the resilience that we've needed as businesses to not just survive, but to keep going. In my case, pandemic comes from nowhere. We're doing really well as a business. And in March, March 23rd, lockdown. And two thirds of our sales are to the 7,000 restaurants that we supply in this country. The other ones are to the supermarkets and the off trade. Two thirds of your sales are just shut down. It's an awful position to be in. And how do you survive? How do you keep going? And we survived then our factory, the brewery, because of shielding and looking after the workforce, we were reduced to just one SKU of Cobra. No draft, no cans, no small, small bottles, just the big bottle of Cobra. So we'd almost gone back 30 years when we started, when we only had that one SKU. Well, from the 23rd of March to the 4th of July, we only had the big bottle of Cobra in the supermarkets. That's all we had to survive. And even in that situation, you try and do your best. Even in that situation, when businesses are down on their knees, you can put back into the community. And we started the Cobra Foundation in 2005. And something I'm very proud of that we continually put back and support charitable events. We've given away millions of pounds of free beer for fundraising events. And so we've got a bottled water called Baloo, the Cobra Foundation Baloo Water, where we give 100% of the profits we make from that water to water aid to save lives for clean, through clean water and sanitation in South Asia. And we raise hundreds of thousands of pounds just to selling that water, making zero profit on it. And here's an opportunity in the middle of a crisis when we're down on our knees, when our over two thirds of our sales are, are just shut down. We teamed up with the British Asian Trust, Prince Charles's charity for South Asia. And we had the big curry night in, 10 nights in in May, where we encouraged the British public to have a curry at home, whether they cooked it, whether it was a takeaway from a supermarket or some of the restaurants were doing takeaways and donating money for COVID victims in South Asia. And we raised over £50,000 just doing that with hundreds of restaurants helping out, even when those restaurants were really suffering and consumers, even though they were suffering, helping out people in South Asia. And that's the beauty of it is that you can still, it's not just what you do, but how you do it. And it's not just being the best in the world, but being the best for the world. And you fast forward to the uh, amazing, amazing Eat Out to Help Out scheme, but the chance of an innovative scheme. When we, oh, the economy started to open up, we squashed the curve of the virus, and we were then trying to encourage people to have the confidence to go back to work and to go and 
to go out to restaurants and bars that had suffered so much. And the Chancellor scheme was a huge success. We were about 100 million meals on that basis. And when that finished at the end of August, we at Cobra Beer, again, you've got to be proactive. We took the initiative and we teamed up with hundreds of restaurants. Over 500 restaurants took part in the Cobra Beer Eat Out to Help Out extension, where we, along with the restaurants, funded up in, in, in many ways an even more attractive than the government uh, scheme. And that was a great success. So again, there you are. You've just suffered. You have a horrible pandemic, but you carry on being innovative. And it's all about non-stop restless innovation. And now we've had another shutdown. We were trying to avoid this. At the Confederation of British Industry, the CDI, we, we recommended to the government a tiered system to avoid a national lockdown. The government implemented the tiered system. It seemed to be working. And then we had the second wave hit us. We've had a lockdown, which we're suffering at the moment. We're in the midst of it. And in the midst of this lockdown, just now, last week, Cobra Beer has launched our Cobra Sony TV, The Chef virtual cookbook, the first virtual cookbook of its kind with 25 recipes from 25 of those famous chefs in the world, 25 restaurants and different cuisines from Thai to Lebanese to Turkish to Indians to British. And that you can do in the middle of a pandemic is come up with an innovative idea like that. So nonstop innovation is absolutely key. So before I conclude, I, I just thought I would share my, my P's, P's of building a business. I call them my 10 P's of building a business. First, you've got to have a great product. And we've got a fantastic product I'm really proud of. We've won 121 gold medals. Uh, please forgive me for boasting. At, at Harvard Business School, I remember once they said, you're confident but not arrogant. And you've got to be ambitious but humble. You've got to be ambitious. Ambitiously, I say, 121 gold medals, we're one of the best beers in the world. Second thing, you've got to have product at the right price. And ours is an expensive because it's a premium product. You get what you pay for. You can have a value for money. The next is its place. It's got to be available. And I've spoken about where Cobra Beer is available, whether it's the restaurants, the supermarkets, cash and carries, bars, etc. The, the fourth one is promotion. You've got to promote your product. When we started, I could, couldn't even afford a branded beer glass. We only had a flimsy table tent card and green and black printing. I couldn't afford color printing. That was our only item of marketing. And you fast forward to today, we're a household name and we have whole range of marketing that we've had over the years, from traditional advertising to social media to point of sale to you name it, and public relations uh, and integrated media. So those are your classic four P's of marketing for those of you started marketing. My extra P's, I'm a proud manufacturer. I chair the Manufacturing Commission. British manufacturing is best of the best in the world. And yet, even though I'm a manufacturer, whatever business you're in, whether it's B2B or B2C, services or manufacturing, People are the most important thing. And throughout this crisis, the most important, important thing is putting people first. People will remember after this crisis the companies that looked after their people. And people will remember companies that didn't. The people always. The next P is finance, spelled P-H. You can't do anything without the money. And uh, that's a whole different story about raising money for a growing business when you have no security, in our case, zero security. And of course, our most valuable asset is Cobra Beer brand. The next thing is passion. Follow your passion, not your pension. You've got to love what you do. Otherwise, there's no point doing it. Next thing is partnership. Have an attitude of partnership when you grow your business. It's, it's not your supplier and your customer and us and them. Everyone you deal with, all your stakeholders become your partners, your suppliers, your customers, your advertising agency, your accountants, your lawyers, PR agents, everyone, your shareholders, your investors, they're all your partners. That is so much more powerful if you have that approach. The next P is principles. It is better to fail doing the right thing than to succeed doing the wrong thing. And the final P is profits. 
there's no point doing all of this unless you're successful and you deliver the bottom line. You may have to make losses in the initial days, but at some stage, you've got to make a profit. And finally, I want to say brands. Brands are really, really important. Again, whether you're B2C or B2B, whatever business you're in, whatever institution you're in, whether you're a university or whether you're a country, it's the brand. And our most valuable asset is the Cobra Gate brand. And when Molson Coors merged with us, they said, you have an extraordinary brand. I took it as a compliment. I said, thank you very much. I said, no, no, this, you can take it as a compliment. But we categorize an extraordinary brand as telling an undeniable brand truth. In our case, our undeniable brand truth is our extra smooth, less gassy taste that makes us brute smooth for all food. The next thing they said is an extraordinary brand never cuts corners and compromises on its principles. And I hope that's come through in what I can talk to you about in these few minutes. The third thing is an extraordinary brand has an iconic and recognizable look. So you should all be able to close your eyes and picture a bottle of beer or the Cobra Beer logo or label and the yellow colors, the green, the iconic look. The fourth thing is an extraordinary brand has to deliver a relevant and consistent experience. So there's no point being a, a one-day wonder. Can you, in our case, produce hundreds of millions of pints or bottles of beer and they're all exactly as good as the last one and exactly as consistent, taste exactly the same, although you're using a natural process with natural ingredients and you still have to have it absolutely consistent. It's a challenge. It's not easy, but you've got to be able to do it. The fifth thing is extraordinary brands build extraordinary loyal brand champions. And to me, in many ways, this is the most important one because this is when people love your product so much. When the early days, we couldn't afford advertising, but we built up Cobra through word of mouth. People discovered it. We almost have built up a cult following of our brand. Everybody knows Cobra. Everyone loves Cobra, wherever they live, whatever they do, whatever age they are. And to build up that loyal champions, those champions, they're disappointed if it's not available. They're disappointed if it's out of stock. They will seek out your product. And if you've done that, you've cracked. And finally, extraordinary brands deliver extraordinary profits. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed, Karen. How do you maintain that consistency of product, given that you said like three times you've nearly lost your business, we've been in a pandemic. How do you maintain that that quality, that consistency when redistribution channels are pushed, manufacturing is, is pushed, staff is 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 clearly have been pushed as well for you and for those who are starting out you know i can see we've got a whole bunch of drinks brands watching today from the founders here for you what kind of keys could you say that people need to look out for to maintain that you've got to have the mentality of of being perfectionist uh, i'm i'm always always trying to perfect the product and and you've got to be on top of it every 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 management meeting that we have, we don't just, we've got one coming up now, tomorrow. We don't just look at our figures. We don't just look at the marketing plans. We don't look at all the sales channels and the individual salespeople's performances. We also look at our analysis of our brewing and we get every, every brewer's plotted mm -hmm. with parameters. So I'm watching it all the time to make sure that it's, and I mean, I'm talking about detailed parameters that we will look at to make sure that we are being consistent and the quality is absolute tops. Every year we will enter awards to make sure we win those gold medals. And if we ever drop, I'm absolutely furious. So how can we got it? We've got to get those gold medals. We can't mm. not them. So we've got to improve. So it's, it's always got to be striving for, for perfection and having very high standards and, and no compromise on that. 
at all. And, and then linked to that is the ability to be uh, adaptable and flexible. So mm -hmm. look at the pandemic. So on the one hand, you have to shut down on the 23rd of March, but you've got to be reliant on just one SKU. So you, you do your best there. And then when you start to open up on the 4th of July, it's not with uncertainty and ambiguity all the time, not knowing how long it's going to last. Is it going to be opening properly or forever or short, temporary? And you have to bring all your product, all the all, everything back online as quickly as you can. Yeah. Uh, so you have to be adaptable, uh, constantly adaptable as well. And I, I know last time we spoke that you were really optimistic and it certainly sounds like you're still optimistic. So, uh, you know, given the last six months we've had since we last spoke, so that's, that is good to hear. Alex, another reason I'm optimistic is I always say the best way to predict the future is to look to the past. And if you just look at that window between July, August, September, and the GDP figures have just borne that out, when we were given the chance to start operating again, even with all that uncertainty and ambiguity, not firing on all cylinders, with social distancing in place. You know, we'd gone on from two meters to one meter in restaurants and pubs and bars. That made a huge difference. I mean, with yeah. one, you can get four times as many people in a space, but still, you still can't get as many. You can't fill a place. You can only do 70% capacity. Mm. Even then, we, we showed we could bounce back very quickly. So I know that when we got these three things in place and we, we are genuinely coming out of this we're on top of the virus, we will be able to bounce back very quickly. And, and I've got some questions to, to ask you here from the audience. Just a, a quick question for you. Uh, what are your thoughts on the nighttime economy and where, where, how will it recover? Will it, will it ever recover? I mean, it'll have to eventually, but I uh, personally know a lot of friends who own nighttime establishments, own venues. What are, your, what are your thoughts on that and what could be done to, to help? Some people have obviously been hit harder than others. We, we get that, but in, any thoughts on that? They, they suffered a great deal and, and, and there's no question about it. So many businesses have suffered, catering business. One of one of our top Indian restaurateurs it has the biggest Indian Asian catering company catering for events of thousands of people at a time, whether it's awards events or Asian weddings, a huge events, zero business, yeah. zero business this year, completely. I mean, they, they've suffered hugely and, and the support from the government has been phenomenal. You've got to give credit where it's due to Rishi Sunak, the chancellor, yeah. the furlough scheme, nine million jobs saved, uh, self-employed furlough scheme, two and a half million jobs saved uh, and all the other measures, the bounce, 100% bounce back loans of 1.2 million of them at an average value of 30,000, saving thousands of businesses and jobs. So, and I could go on, the, the reduction of VAT from 20% to 5%, the rates relief, I mean, it's a raft of measures where the government has tried to help business. On the other hand, they haven't been able to help everybody. Yeah. There are 3 million who call themselves the excluded who have not received any help at all. You know, we've been pointing that out time after time, saying to the government, please try and help these people. But what the government is trying to do is to create this bridge from now until when we open up so that these businesses that were viable pre-March this year, they were viable and through no fault of their own are now suffering. And they will be viable again if they can be able to be helped to survive. Then when the economy bounces back next year, these businesses will reopen and consumer confidence will come back and people will go to nightclubs again and people will be going out again. We are human beings. I mean, we, we're making the most of this technology now yeah. And we will make more use of this technology in the future that we were not before, but we will go back to face-to-face -face meetings. We will go back to the office and wanting to be with our colleagues. 
The youngsters have suffered so much during this pandemic, let alone the university students who missed out. The, they've started in university, a huge experience in your life, no fresh no being what about what about the youngsters at work a lot of it is the mentoring and the that you get when you're face to face with people you're working learning from them being around them they're missing out on all that at Cobra we have an internship scheme that I've been running for years I have been able to run an internship scheme in this environment you know we need to get that face to face back again and use this technology as well in the future and if we can build that bridge and prevent long-term unemployment because I've seen when I was a member of the National Employment Panel years ago on my field visits going to areas where I would we would meet families who had not worked for three generations that is long-term unemployment we've got to try and avoid yeah agreed agreed Darren says yeah this is actually very upbeat and positive well done uh Karen for that IAV uh here we go. Yep. Uh, so Ivy says, question for Karen, what do you see as the line between B2C and B2B? There's a school of thought that the rigid adherence to B2B practices are more harmful than helpful, that it's better to consider yourself as B2C regardless of your business model. This is where we tend to sort of categorize uh, businesses or your B2B or your B2C. And there's an element of all businesses that are B2B and B2C, whichever way you look at it. And, and look at my business. One part of my business is selling to hundreds of distributors and wholesalers. Well, that's B2B. Yeah. But actually, they're selling on to restaurants. That's B2B. But the restaurants are eventually selling to the consumer. <laughs> See, yeah. But me, my product is going through that route to market. Eventually, I'm going B2C. But I'm also doing B2B in, the, in, the, in, in, in between. Mm. So you've, you've, got to, you've got to, and each one is your customer, your very valued customer. Whether it's a B2C customer or a B2B customer, they are your customers. And that doesn't change. And the other thing that doesn't change is the brand. Whether you're a B2B business and B2C business, people People think, oh, you know, it's only consumer brands like Cobra that need to worry about their brand. And every business, the brand is really, really valuable. As I said, whether you're a law firm or whether you're a firm accountant, whether you're a university or whether you're a consumer brand like us, brand is so. Question from Fred from the Selfish Spirits Company who says, what was the most difficult part about setting up an alcohol brand in the UK? Was it challenging getting through all of that red tape? Surprisingly, if you compare with other countries, so for example, we've operated in India. Now, India, there's a huge amount of red tape and it varies from one state to another. So in one extreme, you'll have a state that has prohibition uh, where you know you can be hit by regulation to the extreme. <laughs> you can't operate. And it's happened to me in India to different states having different regulations. So that is what real red tape and regulation is in the drinks industry. And that is India as an example. Very high duties when you import into India. I mean, India is opening up. Believe you me, India is an emerging global economic superpower. And its liberalization is taking place. Its reform agenda, labor laws have just been reformed. I mean, India is going places and is a big opportunity. And I always say for British businesses, think global and think of a country like India as a big opportunity to partner. Here in the UK, we must never, ever take for granted the fact that we are one of the most open economies in the world. We are, although we're only 1% of the world's population, we are the sixth largest economy in the world. We are either the second or third largest recipient of inward investment in the world. I mean, you know, that's how powerful we are. And that's because we're an open economy. Now, the flip side of an open economy is huge competition. Yeah. And so when I started, you know, I just alluded to it, uh, uh, that we had, we were, it was against all the odds, uh, against huge, because anyone can have a go. There are no, very little barriers to entry, relatively little red tape. Yes, there is some, of course, in, a, in the alcohol industry, there has to be some, but relatively little. Anyone can have a go. I mean, anyone listening to this call now, you can go and start your own beer brand. There are thousands of of microbreweries that have started up, craft breweries that have started mm -hmm. up. It's fantastic. I love it. But the flip side is 
lots of competition. Oh, yeah. It's a tough part. And you've got to beat your competition by having a product that's different and better. And by the way, you build your brand and your business in a in a creative and innovative way. Thank you very much. Uh, Bernadette Saunders from Inside Out Drinks, uh, maybe this is the last question, uh, asks if you were to set up, uh, if you were setting up brand new in 2020, bearing in mind COVID, would you have gone about anything differently? The fundamentals would be the same. What would be different is I would be able to take advantage of all the phenomenal support that there is for entrepreneurs now that didn't exist 30 years ago. And we've increasingly gone from being the sick man of Europe in the 80s to I've seen in front of my eyes as I've grown my brand, how entrepreneurship in this country, we're one of the most entrepreneurial countries in the world. I mean, London is one of the best cities in the world to have your global headquarters. And, and that entrepreneurship has just flourished in this country, which, which means there's huge support from government, whether it's a Labour government or whether it's a coalition of conservative liberal or whether it's a conservative government, they're all pro-entrepreneurship. They all want to support entrepreneurs. So we've got the government behind you trying to create the environment. You've got all the entrepreneur organizations, you've got events like this, you've got Global Entrepreneurship Week, uh, all that didn't exist. And I would tap into that as much as I could. Finance-wise, you have things like crowdfunding that didn't exist. You've got all sorts of different forms of finance now uh, that you can use, which I didn't have then. So I would I would go for all that. But on the other hand, by the way, I'm still starting things. Mm. I just yeah. watched my Malabar blonde IPA because I found that the IPA boom that's taking part in this country, they're very nice and aromatic, but you struggle to drink them because they're too bitter. Mm. So I've created a, an IPA called Malabar that has the same ingredients as Cobra, except the hops are, are ale hops. I've got five hops and I created with a top fermenting ale yeast and traditional open vats in a craft brewery in Burton. And we've created an IPA that's the most drinkable IPA in the world and goes well, the only IPA in the world that really goes well with all food. So I'm oh. starting as we speak. Innovation, there you go. Where, where, when will this be able to see the light of day? Because I've turned into an IPA, IPA drinker over the last couple of years, switched from lager to IPA like many people. This is available in 500 restaurants on draft only. So okay. in, 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 in London, there are several top restaurants that are selling it and around the country. So look out for it, Malabar Blonde IPA on draft. Right, I'll Google it, Bournemouth and Paul. Right, thank you very much, Fred. It's a fascinating way of looking at it. Thank you, very interesting and inspiring. Thank you, Karen. I know you've got to go, but Thank you so much for your time. It's always greatly appreciated. Um, I can see there are loads of people on here watching who've all got drinks brands. So it is spot on. So thank you, Karen, and good luck for the rest of the year. And all the best to all of you. And thank you very much. Great to be with you. Bye-bye. Cheers now. Bye-bye. If you found value in this free podcast all i ask is that you tell somebody else about it you don't have to leave a review or write a post on social tagging me in the screw it, just do it hashtag but if you do i promise to give you a shout out on a future episode and you have my eternal thanks i'm at alex chisnell on linkedin twitter and facebook plus at alexander chisnell on instagram alongside the screw it just do it facebook page this houses the Screw It Just Do It community and has the most up-to-date information on all things Screw It Just Do It, including all of our live events. I love hearing from you. If you either message me on LinkedIn or email alex at screwitjustdoit.org, I promise to reply. Just give me a little time.